0: Hey, everybody. Jason here. Before we start, I just want to mention that we don't mention the Big Black Box or the D&D Classic Adventure Game Gold Box uh, because I wasn't really aware of those products at the time we recorded this. I'm not sure what Eric's knowledge of those products are, but Deck Heater and Joe pointed out that we should not be comparing Beck Me with Rule Cyclopedia. We should be comparing Beck Me with the Big Black Box, which is a product I was... I had moved on from D&D before that ever came out, so I, I never owned that. So that's a little bit of a hole in our discussion, but it's still a great discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. What well, pop of a beer or a cold libation, let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast and I ask him what you got? He said I'll start off with some talking and some moody clips, some popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing, full my horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs go on, contest and course you know it's all about games. That's a slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. With the other just I am joined tonight by Eric Salsweedle of the Omega 3D Chicken Coop Podcast to bring you this New Year's Eve Eve show. This will come out on 30 January or 30 December. Um to help people ring the new year in so they can listen to it on New Year's Eve. But what I guess the first thing before we even tell people what we're doing we should tell people what we're drinking. What are you drinking tonight, Mr. Saulsweetle?
1: So, I'm finishing off a rum and coke that I uh previously posted in her cocktail, but uh I just cracked open from Untitled Art, uh they did a collab with Angry Chair Brewing. It is a barrel-aged coconut s'mores pastry stout. It is 17% alcohol and I'm going to I know one on the on the podcast, but let's see this. But look at this. It looks like literally motor oil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So I, you know, we're recording this actually a couple weeks ahead of time. We're recording this on the 16th of December, which is the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. And I'm a proud American and I'm Scots-Irish, which means I like to drink and I can be frugal. So when I stopped to get something special at the liquor store today, they had the pre-mixed um eggnog it's 15 percent. but if i go through the leader during the podcast and that ought to be sufficient and i bought the cheapest one they had to appease the Scottish side of me but it's mr boston master mixology boston mass creamy eggnog liqueur so we're also doing the boston thing for oh, boston tea party
1: that is pretty nice
0: i have no clue what kind of liquor's in here you know because uh. i could have also picked like Evan Williams or you you know something else this is i guess it's Mr Boston company <laughs> I, don't know I, I, I
1: wonder if that uses brandy as the
0: i don't know it it doesn't say on there it we can look say. it up but where's the fun in that
1: yeah i'm going to i'm going <laughs> to imagine it's like the cheapest whatever
0: it, alcohol it, it was could find. It, yeah 8.99 for a liter
1: nice i think this one beer that i'm drinking is 8.99
0: <laughs> that's okay you you can drink a beer i'll drink a liter of this we'll Ooh, be,
1: that's good we'll though good. i will if you're into sweet barrel-aged stouts i will recommend this to anyone
0: ah uh, this is it, it's it is eggnog but you can taste the liquor in it more than you should be able to which is fine for me but other people may want to buy a different one okay so we're here tonight to discuss. The rule cyclopedia. I'm holding up my print on demand copy of it because I don't have an original. Eric also has a print on demand copy. And and he has un- a-
1: and sheathed in this brown um grocery bag because back in 1991, I put all of my bags and or all of my books and book covers is original first edition rules cyclopedia that was given to me by my neighbor. And we'll we'll get into that story.
0: Excellent. I also have which we won't del- we probably won't delve into today but what I'll probably use this for for a solo game in search of adventure which is the compilation and Eric can't see it cuz my screen's blurry Yeah
1: cuz you have you have the you have the background oh,
0: <laughs> Anyway uh, yeah it's going to work but in search of adventure is B1 through 9 but it's not the full modules. They kind of cut them up to put is them Is that together. the one with the bugbear on the front of it? Yeah, it's got three of them on the yeah, front of it. Yeah, I have
1: that. Yeah. I have that, too. I have yeah. Um, I have an original copy of that as well.
0: Okay, yeah, there's a print-on-demand. And it, it's, you know, you don't get everything in all the modules, but as far as putting it together as a, you know, campaign starter, it's fine.
1: I don't even remember where I got that from at some point, like it was just in my collection, but yeah, it's all beat up and it's, it's a, it's a pretty funny adventure because it's like classic D and D dungeon where you just go room to room and you're like fighting in in a room next to other things. And they don't, you know, the game doesn't tell you to make it It, react to that.
0: Yeah. That's the Causewell's castle part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Caldwell's castle is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a funny, so that was a module that had like four adventures in it, but it's got on the front of it, I don't think it's supposed to be Bugbear, I think it's supposed to be some kind of merman, but it holding a lady, well again, I can't show it to you because my screen's blurred. Anyway, that, that's...
1: I mean, you could unblur your screen.
0: Uh, yeah, well, we're already recording. Unless you, I'm not gonna unless you have it.
1: weird things in your, in your room you don't want me to see.
0: <laughs> no, uh, you've seen my room before, you're, you're not missing out. But... Tonight, what we decided to do is we're not going to do a a deep dive of the rule Cyclopedia here, but we're going to take a a note out of the Decahedron RPG podcast. And we're going to each, we've picked, we've written down some things and we're each going to have a chance to highlight three good things in the rule Cyclopedia, three things that are maybe not as good because we're staying positive. And then we're also each going to have a wild card we can throw in there. So do okay. do, that we sounds wanna, good. Do, do we want to do any, any kind of intro or, or stories? Yeah. So wanna, I just wanted yeah, to, I, I
1: wrote a couple notes down and I, I, you know, so I know you've been slandering the rule cyclopedia on your podcast recently. Uh, no, I'm just messing with you, but I think, you know, for me, and I've talked to you about this before, maybe even mentioned in a couple of my calls is, you know, I'm, I'm about, um, I don't know, like eight years younger than you. So I'm like, I feel like I'm one generation behind like your, your Hobbs. Like you guys are all like, we're playing earlier than me. So I didn't really start playing like real true tabletop games until like 1991. And I was looking at the games that I played in their release years. So like Hero Quest, that was the first thing for me. Um, Dragon Strike was this uh, game put out by TSR mm-hmm. that had a VHS tape and it was kind of like a, Choose your own adventure. We played a bunch of that. And that's when the neighbor guy was like, oh, you're, you're playing this. He was like in his late 20s. We were probably at that time, we were 12, 13 years old. He's like, why don't you guys try this? And that's when he gave me the rule cyclopedia book. So that's, for me, this is my first version of d d Just like there's some people right now where 5E is their first version or you go back and it's three five or whatever. We, and we moved on to 2E. So, so that's why... Rule Cyclopedia is important to me. And that's why I wanted to come on and talk about it with you.
0: No, very cool. Yeah. So I started about a decade before you, not quite, about 80, probably the end 83, early 84. And I started with the Red Box, which is the Mensa Red Box, which the Rule Cyclopedia is basically a rules reference. And maybe we'll talk about that tonight. But there were five box sets that came out. The from 83 to like 83, 84, 85. The basic set, the expert set, the companion set, the master set, and the immortal set. And then in 91, they kind of compiled them all together into this, which is again, basically reference guide with the first four sets in there. There are kind of immortal rules in here, but it doesn't really include the stuff from the immortal set. It's really only the first four. But what it doesn't do is include now... And I may have been a little bit harsh because I've been looking through this in preparation for this episode. And I think the the box sets do a much better job of teaching the game, especially the red box set, the basic set. It's got a choose your own adventure thing in there. And it's I, I think it does a much better job. But I will say, looking through this today in preparation for our talk, that you know, this does have things in here like designing your campaign, designing a dungeon, designing adventures. Now it is much more abbreviated and abridged in here. So it doesn't go as comprehensive as a box set. So I still don't think it does as good a job, but it's, but it does hit those points. So it's not just an SRD. And like what, what a modern person would think of an SRD is, right? It's not just that it's not just, just the rules or like the, for people that know the basic role-playing for Chaosium, the the big gold book they used to have for basic role playing. It's not just that. This actually does have some teaching stuff in here. So I I you're right. I was maybe a little harsher to this in, in some of my comments than, than I should have been now that I've kind of revisited it.
1: Yeah, and and growing up, we used every section except um chapter 15, The Immortals. We just never got to that point in the game, but we used everything else domain, mass combat, um, optional rules, every other I i th- you talk about the th- there's a part where it talks about how to like determine encounter difficulty. I right. used to do, you know, I got heavy into that for all my planning when I was a kid, trying to make sure that I was building fair encounters for, for you know um <laughs> for my 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 friends. Um so so we I used every part of this book and it was and it was my first um foray into it and it's just it's funny because I, like i what do we always reference to weapon fighting so like I, I immediately can flip to this page i just know where it's at like from a feel standpoint like in the combat section the way the book opens up it's just it's it's kind of crazy because we, we like we played all summer with this we lived out in the country um town we lived in we lived in a mobile home park So town was a a pretty long bike ride away across a long county highway. So it wasn't exactly the safest thing to do. We didn't have any money. So, you know, this book provided hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment. Uh,
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And so to be fair, I was in the army by the time this came out and I never had this book. This is the first physical copy I've ever owned of it. I've had the PDF, but... I never had this back in the day. You know, we went from the basic game to the advanced game. And then really we moved past D and D and got into palladium and got into, you know, other games It got like Merp, middle yeah. Earth role playing and role master and stuff. And, and so now in the nineties, after I was in the army, we did revisit D and D, but it was first edition. Cause that's just what people had. Right. Um, so I had never actually played now since I got into the podcasting world and the internet world discords and stuff, maybe like 2017 ish one, I've had a chance to play second edition. I've had a chance to play some fifth edition and, and things, but that uh, prior to that point, I'd never played anything past first edition. So this is, you know, something that I've, I've played one game using this since I've come back to gaming and Joe salvador over at raven guy games i remember you guys
1: talking about that yeah Yeah.
0: Um, now we did play i did play basic though beck me when i in the early 2000s when my son was old enough i wanted to get him into D &D, and we were in northern virginia and we found some local groups on meetup and we were able to go meet with them in person and we played some
1: did you play broken
0: lance i did with carl yeah i did that as well yeah i mean that's
1: So when I was playing Broken Lands with Carl, I was referencing this.
0: Yeah, I I was too. I was referencing the PDF. So
1: so yeah, Yeah. so yeah, we were we were you're basically playing rule cyclopedia for Broken Lands. I think it was a little bit of a blend, and Carl was a very, um, uh, very kind and open game master that allowed his players to kind of adapt some of the rules that they that they like. So there's there's a shout out for Carl. That was a fantastic campaign, by the way.
0: It, it was a great campaign. Carl is a, a great game master. I'm sorry that at the moment my schedule's kind of kept me out of his games. But yeah, I, I haven't been
1: cool able to get in one either. Yeah. yeah, he's probably like, why aren't you still playing in Broken Lands, Eric? And it, and that's an Eric thing. I don't like forever campaigns. That's the only that's the only reason why I'm not playing it. Well,
0: well, well the other thing is is like, why aren't I on the, part of this discussion? And it's well because you're probably playing a game tonight, Carl. Yeah, you yeah, know, he, he plays lots of games. games.
1: Yeah, he plays games lots. All right, well, let's get into this so we don't bore yeah. people with our. Right. Our nostalgia, because I'll have more nostalgia to discuss when we get well, into we're, this. We're just
0: working on getting drunk, so hopefully by the end of this we'll be slurring our words. So, yeah, Eric, cool. I'm going to let you go first with your first good – we're, we're, we're going to go down good things, not so good things, and we'll hit the okay. ball. So or I, should we do – to be fair, I'll let you pick. Or should we do not so good and then roll into good?
1: Let's do not so good so that we end on a positive note. Yeah, I'm, with, I'm with, down with that. With that. With I'm not trying to
0: degrade the product, I, but I want to be honest about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk. Uh, this one's an easy one. It's low hanging fruit and it, and it's the problem with many games and it, I don't like weapon limitations generically for character classes because you know, you, when we were talking when you were guys were kind of talking, you're like, Oh, it's ba- game balance. Okay. So what if my cleric can use a sword instead of maces like, the swords do the same. I mean, like their damage isn't, there's not like they're that much better than a mace. It just, it's just, I could only use this one weapon. So the thing that I would rather see, and I believe it actually does it in the what the, like the weapon special, the weapon, weapon specialization specialization section is you just, I like the concept of weapon proficiencies and you know, you, so like a fighter is good with like all weapons okay so a cleric can be good with like two types of weapons and a wizard can be only good with one type of weapon and a thief can be good with like three types of weapons i i much prefer that because it creates more flexibility and then also um and you know you could do whatever you want as a game master but if you go to a table with someone who's like really like nope we're playing this book as written i don't care which is what i experienced a lot of in my youth um it really can limit what you're doing and i I just that's the one thing i don't like about one of the things i don't like but at the same time that's also an issue in in many games where they really limit the the weapons
0: so uh, so each when we bring this up if the other person has something to comment on that same topic then we'll have them do at that point so so i'll talk about kind of the not so hot things about weapon specialization I guess Wep, okay. you know, about weapons per class and weapon specialization we can kind of roll them together um so a couple things here one I, I will defend a little bit so the reason and it goes back to the original game the the original 1974 d d but the only fighters were able to use magic swords and magic swords were very came up very frequently in odD and d and they often they were, were they almost always intelligent swords and they had special abilities, you know, like f- three times a day could find traps or three, stuff like that, right? And that was a balancing thing because clerics had magic, magic users had magic, and that gave fighters kind of a, mat. they got their magic and special ability things from magic swords. And so that's why other classes couldn't use them. Now, if you did it where... Yeah, for flavor for your cleric, they can use the swords and all, but they can't use the magic abilities of the swords. Like not the bonus to hit, but like if it has abilities like fine traps or stuff like that to balance that out, I, I wouldn't have a big problem with that. But that's kind of but but that's kind of why that's there. Um, to go back to the weapon to the the balance thing. That's why it's not so much the edge weapon as it was the idea of that was the fighter's special thing to separate them from the other classes
1: yeah that's that's an interesting thing and that must be is that something to do with the the source material for original D? was that like a thing like in the, the the appendix end stories which i i don't have a lot of experience with because to me it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense no, <laughs>
0: like no it that's, doesn't that's, that's, that's you no know, it's the just part a, i have yeah it's just a gamist thing because uh, yeah. clerics aren't i mean clerics are van helsing right i mean i mean clerics aren't really you know in any of those appendix end things anyway well so, and yeah, that's whole another rabbit hole but
1: and the other interesting thing too about that is and i've i've watched some like history channel stuff about that where if you go back to the crusade days the the priests and and some of these like holy warriors they, they were the martial experts and mm-hmm. trained people and they were masters of all weapons you know what i mean they and i and i know this kind of goes back to the discussion where D D is not based on Western Europe, even though it has some Western Europe fl- flair in it, it's, it's its own thing. But I always go to Western Europe when I think about that. So that's why, that's why to me, that's, that's one of the things that it's just one of the things that's, it's, it's a minor thing. And it's something that you can easily ch- easily change. Cause I think in the weapon specialization, doesn't it switch it to proficiencies? If you use that optional it rule,
0: it, yeah. it does. Yes it so, does. They get so many proficiencies and the fighters get more in the other classes. And and yeah. that was another point I was going to bring up. Real quickly though on the so with the early church there there was a thing against priest killing and the idea and even up to modern day you'll get where bishops now this is in the orthodox in the orthodox church which you, you know you had your early church and then they split you know, and um the Roman Church went off and did its own thing and the Orthodox Church of course is that true branch of Christianity still back to the early days but and people may or may not agree with that but that's irrelevant because but we have the the bishops still people drive them because you don't want that chance of them hitting somebody and killing somebody with a car so they that's why why they have drivers um anyway But the other thing I was going to bring up with weapon specialization is, that's weird, is in this game, and this kind of goes back to your thing about the the issues of having the class-based weapons. In Rule Cyclopedia and in Beckme, magic users can only use daggers. Full stop. There's an optional rule to let them use other things, but by the base rules... They can only use daggers. And
1: And, that's weird because a wizard with a staff is kind of like your, like in your head, the kind of quintessential like wizard that you think of.
0: But it's even more weird because with the weapon mastery rules, the weapon specialization rules, all other classes, including magic users, start with two proficiencies, but they only have one weapon. So by the time if you. Now, I like the. I think the weapon proficiency rules, weapon mastery rules, are interesting. That you don't go up per level per se. You have to seek out a trainer and pay a trainer and uh-huh. train. I like that. But if you don't change the number of we- weapons a magic user can have, all they have is dagger, and they get these extra slots. Pretty much every magic user, if they want to spend the time training, is going to be a dagger master. <laughs> and one cool thing with these rules is every weapon has their own slightly different special abilities as you gain weapon mastery. Well,
1: let's, let's save that because that's one yeah. of my things I really like okay. about the game.
0: <laughs> that's cool. But but that's a negative potentially yeah. because you have a, the magic, yeah. you can only have a dagger. Now they have optional rules, let them use stabs and things, but yeah. you only have a dagger, but you get all these slots. So you're kind of forcing them all to be, you, you know, Filipino knife fighters, right?
1: Yeah. Or I guess, you know, like they're like, uh, you know like some las vegas magician at that point who can do like crazy knife tricks and throwing them and stuff yeah that's, that's it right. is Yeah, it is It is kind of weird that it, it 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 kind of forces you down that path and that's why i would just let them use their weapon proficiencies on whatever they wanted if they're going to spend the time to train right so like if they have a free weapon proficiency and they're like i want to learn how to use the trident they'd have to travel to some coastal city and then train for X number of weeks or months with a, you know, with some trident master. <laughs> right. That's cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... And their downtime. I, down I like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, but- and when they're doing that, they're not making scrolls or potions or researching right. new spells. Right. So it, it it has its own kind of game balance mechanic in there because they're, they're spending their time uh, mastering um something that's not within their class. And they, they have
0: to pay for it. Right. Okay. All so- right.
1: So, so that was one thing we both don't like very much. I have another one. It's something that was already mentioned on your show and I'm just going to double down on it. it. It's, it's one of the elements of the skills and it goes back to this, the stealth thing. And yeah. this is the other, so I'm going to, this is two things in one. Cause I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to steal like, cause I, I wanted to keep a third item. So I cannot stand the fact that at level one, you have a 10% chance to hide in shadows. And if someone has the stealth city skill, they're going to be better, way better than a thief at hiding in shadow, being stealthy in a city. And that that's a problem because now you're infringing on that character's like specialty area that they're supposed to be good at. And, and to, to be fair, and, and the problem is because thief goes from level one to 36, so they had to come up with some, what they felt was like basically five to 4% increments to get up to 100. I think that they should have started much higher with hide and shadows and moving silently. And you just had a slower progression to 100 or like, 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 walls. like pickpockets it gets up to one ninety five, right? It starts at 20 <laughs> and goes all the way up. Right. So the reason they do that is because there's some factors that can lower the percentage in the rules. Right. But I, I it just sucks you're level one you're a thief you're like i want to do something thiefy yeah you have a 10 percent chance to do it so you, i mean doing it isn't even worth doing it you're really good at climbing walls as a, as a level one thief but other than that you really can't do anything else very effectively and some of these skills like the stealth skill on the terrain make it so that like a level one fighter that decides to have high dexterity is going to be better at a thief being stealthy. Or if you're a thief, do you pick stealth city? <laughs> and it and it kind of, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't really fit with the the thief skills. It's kind of it's kind of weird when it comes to that.
0: I i agree. This is actually a point I'd written down as well. Some of these skills are unbalanced. So I think skills work best when they're background ability, non-combat background abilities, right? Like maybe a boyer or a um you know where you're making bows, or making a fletcher, where you're making arrows, or fixing armor, or maybe maybe even navigator things like that. But yeah, here some of these skills are effectively feats. And yes, I just are, saw a
1: quick draw as an example.
0: Right, these Plus are like proto two. feats. Right, we have mm-hmm. defense, we have quick draw, we have blind fighting. I, I think there's blind fighting in here. Yeah, blind shooting. There's yeah. yeah. So some of these are almost must take skills. And they're much better than other ones, you you know. Hmm, do I take blind shooting or do I take food testing? <laughs>
1: I'm looking at that one as well. Food tasting,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, come on. It, so it's yeah, it's the, the skills are very unbalanced, and some of them are proto feats, and that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It, problem.
1: I don't mind the proto feats, but yeah, the skills self are are. It, it doesn't, you know, so the one thing is this game doesn't have, there's not a, um there's not a ranger class, right? So having some of the survival skills, you know, that's like, you like, you're talking about like background. Cause like, okay, I mean, I have a fighter, but maybe they come from the wilderness and therefore they have these like wildernessy kind of background skills, or maybe they're a city guy and they have like. They, they're like a, a street tough, you know, they're not a rogue, but they're street tough. So maybe they have some like street wise kind of like like connections or some other like maybe they can intimidate better than other people like different things like that. But yeah, the skill system is interesting, but um it is uh it, it does kind of add in some weirdness to the game in some areas.
0: It's flawed. It's. I yeah. like. I like quite a few things about it, and if it was just non-combat skills, I would like it much, much more.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So I think we're both in agreement there that it, 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 that part of the game, could definitely be improved on. It's something that. Uh, I would probably. I'd probably go back in and redo the skills that are available in the game. And if someone was like, well, I really wanted to play rule rules. I'd be like, listen, I did this because the, um, I feel like the skills are unbalanced. And the other thing I would do is I would allow the thief to add their deck score to all their thief, thief, thief abilities to start. Because I, I think they're, I think the thief is highly ineffective and I've played, Uh, labyrinth lord thief which uses the same uh percentages or they're really close and it kind of sucks maybe not like i would allow them to add decks to like and then maybe you would add wisdom to like hear noise and like uh remove traps would be intelligence and and different things like you could do some different things to make to make the level one thief more effective um at being a thief in my opinion
0: i i could see that as a house rule definitely i mean by now, my episode where I talk about the skill system I've kind of settled on is yeah. already come out, and, and I know you you love that system, so we don't need to talk about that anymore here. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think that's a very fair way to do it, because, yeah, these thieves, if, if you're going to play this game, then, I mean, now, mind you, those crappy skills are offset by the fact the thief levels up much quicker. Right. They, no, in-
1: and I and I saw that in Plain Ash as well, astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea, and like typically my hit points were equivalent to the barbarians' hit points because the barbarians took forever to level up in the game because they're kind of, um, what's the character Mary Sue's where they can kind of do yep. everything really good, um, so they have takes them forever to level up. Um,
0: but but here's the thing they don't they don't the cleric levels up at 1500 so the cleric isn't far behind them in in leveling up the cleric is pretty close yeah xp numbers and the cleric is much much better than the thief (laughs) is as as far as abilities and and things so yeah that's okay so that's two You, you get one more not so good thing
1: i don't like thaco and this is the reason why i don't like it because players have a hard time with it, I personally never had a hard time with Thacko, but many of the people that I played with struggled with it, and I get it. It comes from oh, I think I did some research on this, and I believe it comes from the old naval war games that they played, and the armor class of the ship was basically how easy it was to hit, and the bigger the ship, the easier it was to hit, and the smaller ships a lower armor class. It, it it that makes sense for Uh, like a, like a miniature skirmish game. Um, And I know there's some people that are probably like screaming at their radios or pod catchers right now that, that hate, uh, you know, attack bonuses or, you know, uh, ascending armor class and the descending armor class is the way to go. Um, I just think it's I think it's a barrier for people to play the game because it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to a lot of people. Um, Now, Granted, I think it's, you know, it's cool when you're like, oh man, I got armor class negative two. That sounds cool, right? Like, you know that that's like an insane armor class, like when you're Mm -hmm. playing the game back then. And, you know, the first time you got to like AC zero, you're like, my character's nigh unhittable, you know, and like, let's go fight a dragon. So, so it it has a nostalgia factor for me, but I think it is a barrier for entry into the game.
0: I, I think that's fair. Like you, I never had a problem with it, but I don't have a problem with ascending armor class either. It's, yeah, it, mechanically it's irrelevant. I, I, there's not a mechanical advantage to, to, you know, descending versus ascending, so it doesn't really matter.
1: No, and the only other interesting thing is the way... Your Thaco changes. I don't remember that. I gotta find the chart in here. I'm swapping swapping around, but I remember in Carl's game, it kind of jumps. You have these. A- you have these seven Yeah, you have these power spikes with it, and you know, you could. Oh. I don't know if you want to consider that. Um, you know that that could be a good or bad thing depending on depending on how you on how you want to look at it.
0: Um. I mean, it's built in it, it, it's it yeah. is intentionally um, but the I don't know it's up yeah what I don't like so I don't necessarily have an issue with Thaco. but what I don't like in any of these games now some of the retro clones probably change this, but I don't think any I think this is true of all TSR editions at first level, all the characters have the same to hit armor class zero or to hit arm class whatever. Right. And I have a problem with that. I think the fighter should be one level above yeah. everybody else at first level. I think the first level fighter should be dropped down or bumped up one on the table. So they're yeah. slightly better than the other classes at, at hitting.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, a fourth level fighter and a fifth level cleric have the same Thaco that doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me and then you go so it goes 2019 so 1917 so you drop two then your next level increment you drop two again but then you drop one and then it's one from there on out yeah it's- so and i think that's because of this whole 36 levels mm-hmm. thing because they get down it's it's partly because of how many levels they built into the game so they had to scale it based on that a bonus thing that I think is unnecessary is the number of levels. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. We, we definitely never got to that level of experience in the game. And I, I don't know what it exactly adds to the game to be level 36.
0: Well, I, I, I haven't played a 36 level character to be honest. So I, can't I, <laughs> not, not in the system. Um, okay. So, I get a couple not so good things. Yeah. The first one I'm going to throw out here, and and these aren't like the game sucks, but these are just I'm going to throw ideas out here. The first one I'm going to throw out here is that it, it's pretty firmly tied to Mysteria. It's pretty firmly tied to the known world in this in the setting, implied setting, mm-hmm. um, and that could be a good thing or a bad thing. It's going to depend on the group. We always. We, we didn't play a lot of modules. We played a lot of modules in Marvel superheroes, but we didn't play a lot of modules for D and D. We made up our own adventures in our own worlds. And you, you can definitely make up your own worlds with the rule cyclopedia. I'm not saying you can't, but as it's built, as it is, it's really expects you to play in their world. Right. Let's be fair. And, and all their adventures for, for this game wanted you to play in that world pretty much. Right. Um, and so that I see that as a slight downfall or not downfall but downgrade from like a D and d where it's more you know you're not stuck in Greyhawk you can play a D and d in Greyhawk but that's not the implied setting of a D and d at least not in the three main books yeah
1: and what I'll say is we when I started we predominantly played in Mastara and that was what we that was what we did mostly um once we explored quite a bit of Mistara and i became more creative i definitely started building my own things and just there were just different very vari- i mean I, I still use this book i just you know there i just made a new map and there was new kingdoms and new things and there was new god you know deities and whatever else um so yeah i get it the implied setting thing or the included setting what that creates is expectations and you see that in 5e i think that's one of the biggest my biggest problems with with fifth edition and the fifth edition main player base the people that are like they play fifth edition is that if the if the if i buy this expansion book that has i don't know like the Gollum book you know everyone can play golems it's official they say well it's official dnd book i can play golems and that's how dnd i believe so there's an adventure league person here they can correct me but i believe that's kind of how they handle it it's like it's an official expansion so therefore it's part of the world and i don't like that because i might not be playing forgotten Realms. I might not be running Feyrune or whatever the implied, you know, the the main world is. I might you be running... not
0: Warborn or whatever, Warforged or whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, because maybe
1: around. I don't want to play like a kind of Magic Punk type game. I I want to run a different type of game. So that that I can see that being a potential issue. I don't think though. To kind of counter your point, if you read through the book until you get to appendix one the d and i mean they do call it the d d game world what i mean that's that's what they're saying like this is the world and i and i believe they were attempting to make this the core world kind of like what they've done with Feyrune. and then after this it was in second edition they kind of went away from mistara and they, they did release one like small Mistara supplement but it wasn't very it was small anyway um I guess the planes of existence kind of make it that, but the rest of the book I would call is like generic D and D. It doesn't have any weird like player character races. It does do races class. That's a, a, something else for people that
0: well, have And, it and before. you have the, you have the artifacts for the race for the demihumans in here. Yeah. And you do, but no, I, I agree. This is a soft, yeah you know, not good thing but but i but i it's worth bringing up
1: so nope, that's fair if you don't want to play in mastara and the book has too much mastara stuff baked into it probably not your thing
0: now i will say if you're going to be stuck with a setting mastara is not a bad setting to be stuck with because when you look at the gazetteers and you look at all that now some of that obviously is fluff to sell books but mastara has some cool parts of the world and you can do a lot of cool things in there. I mean, you got a hollow earth, you got all kinds of stuff. So yeah. I, I don't think Mastar is out of the various worlds that are out there, you, you know, Mastar is one of the one I, I like the Palladium world better, but Mastar is a, a really decent world. So if you're gonna be stuck with one, this isn't a bad one to be stuck with.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll spoil one of my things I really like about the book, and it it's it's the world. It's my first fantasy world that I learned about. Um and we and so you know i'm showing jason here this this mm-hmm. the little hex map in the back of the it brings back so much nostalgia because a lot of times the adventures we would run back then was it'd be with like my brother he was much he's four and a half years younger than me so he's pretty young playing and the neighbor some of the neighbor kids i would put them in a place and they would have to travel across the map to an area right some wizard you know would say you need to go here and Take this thing there or whatever. And they would travel across the map, right? And I would do all the travel rules and I'd roll random encounters and they would go through and they'd see, like, oh, there's a tower there. We want to go explore it. Right. So it was a really cool for me kind of experience to just go through it. And and it really influenced how I draw map, how I drew maps then and still draw maps now. Um you know, I did like all the icons. I did the same icons and did all the things. So, um, yeah, for me, the world was like it's, it's you know, as soon as I bought this print on demand version or whenever I open this book and see one of these maps, my brain immediately goes back to like 1993. Just like it's instantaneous, like a time machine for me.
0: No, very cool. So my second not so good thing I'm going to bring up here. And this is controversial, and I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this, and that's okay. The extended experience tables for demihumans. So in here, we and when I say demihumans, I mean elves, dwarves, and hobbits or halflings, and so you have level caps in in this game, but they're really soft level caps because, yeah, they can only get to a certain level, but is they gain more experience over that level, they still get more abilities and still get cool stuff. So they're not really level caps as such, right? So it's a, and I think that's, as opposed to AD&D where it's a hard level cap, and after that, you don't get anything else. And to me, the way that you justify that is, at that point, they go back to their people and their leaders and their people. You know, they, they go out when they're younger and they, Explore the world and they adventure, but then they have to go back to their people. So that's when you say bye-bye to them. And that's that's the trade-off for playing this character's all these super abilities that demi-humans get is you only get to play them for so long as opposed to humans, you can play them up to 36 level. But with this, you can keep them the whole time because they're still getting all these extra bonuses, just like the humans are. So now if you don't like level caps, then then this is not. Then this is an irrelevant thing to you, but if you, so, have, if you <laughs> like the idea of level caps, this really undercuts the the th- this really undercuts the whole level cap thing the way it does this. It, yeah, not so cool.
1: this almost made my list of things I dislike. I dislike them as well, but for a different reason. I don't like level caps because right. I, I know I know they don't make sense to me. Like I get it, it. So this is one of those things where this is very gamey, right? They're doing this. For game reasons okay just make the experience points more Then make it harder for them to level up if, if it's if it's a balanced thing i you know it, that's the part i don't like it's like i'm like okay i'm level eight like you said you get to level eight as a halfling it's a smacks halfling level but then your attack rank goes up uh Great. you automatically take half damage from any spell like spell like effects you gain fighter combat options you automatically take half damage from any breath weapon and then you get three attacks per round i <laughs> you know it's like you're still
0: going up in level you might as why
1: why not just add extra levels and and say you know after 10th i think the game even limits it after x number of levels you don't gain hit dice anymore anyway i don't remember
0: it does yeah 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 because there's a part in here for max hit points you can get
1: yeah yeah so it's it's kind of a silly it's kind of a silly thing for sure
0: yeah um so you yeah so and again that that's going to depend on your on your philosophy there. The the way I justify it in my head is that they go they have to go back to their people and and in worlds that I would run they have to go back to their people and then be leaders of their people so they're you know it's
1: yeah you look at the halfling saving throws their saving throws are really good at like starting off and I guess that's the plot armor that's Bilbo right. with the plot armor he's got to make yeah. it to the end right.
0: So my next not-so-good thing is one of the optional classes. And yes, it's optional, but so are some of the other things we talked about. And this is the Druid. I don't know what they were thinking about when they made this Druid, but you don't start as a Druid. You you have to get up to at least ninth level new cleric as a neutral cleric, and then you can convert over to the Druid. And this Druid really sucks he um now these druids can go up to 36 level and they don't have to fight another druid until 30th level but they still have the non-edge weapon non-piercing weapon restriction that clerics have they they don't get all the cool stuff ad and d druids get all they get are access to some druid spells in addition to cleric spells that they had before and they lose the cleric spells had to do with good and evil but they don't get any of the cool plant kind of stuff and animal stuff that druids get in AD and D. These druids really kind of suck.
1: I don't know what their origin is. They yeah, like where, like what is? I can tell right. you the
0: background of the the old. I I don't know about this version of the druid. I can tell you the original druids. <laughs> I mean, the original. You go back to well, it goes back to, OD and D. You know, but but the original druids are the Celtic druids, and that's why you when you read D.D.'s demigods in AD and D. It talks about druids do human sacrifice. People don't want to hear that, but they do, right? And, yeah. and that's part of what druids do. It's they're based around, you know, just like in Halloween three Season of the Witch, where you know the Druids brought Stonehenge over to put in Halloween masks to turn kids into bugs and creepy crawlies, you, you know, for Sam Hain. That that's that's what that's who you're playing when you're playing a druid, right? And that's okay. Because you can also make cool um, uh cool androids. And um, do so. <laughs> if you haven't seen Halloween three folks, go see it. It's best movie ever. Tom Atkins yeah. got his mustache. He's drinking a beer. He's he's asleep with all these women. It's wonderful. But the the point here is this, this version of the Druid is by far the worst version of the Druid uh, <laughs> out there.
1: There's yeah, and there's I don't know why there's not much reason to play it. And it's not exactly an easy thing to obtain because you have to go fight another Druid and defeat them.
0: Well, and and even before that, now you don't have to do that till thirtieth level. So at ninth yeah. level, you can convert to druid, but you have to live in the wilderness. Yeah, and you have to you stay can't in use your metal.
1: System. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can't use metal. You can't use ed. You can't use flint knives or anything in this. You can't use at least in A D D and D druid. You can use scimitars, and you can use. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, this is just a not a great option.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, shift I don't
0: in this. You can't. You can't. I don't know
1: what I don't know what they were thinking. And and also it's one of those classes where you think about it as a game master. You're like, if a player does this, it's gonna ruin the game because they're gonna be like
0: Right. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to build your game around it. You you mm-hmm. have to totally adjust your game. Now I'll bring that up as another. So I've used my three, but but since you open that door, I'm gonna bring up I, I want you to turn to page And this is, some people care about this, some don't, but I will bring it up. Turn to page 262. I think it's 262. To 262 or 256. It's 256. We'll talk about 262 in a minute or later on. So we go to 256. And what do we see? We see player goals. And I'm going to read this paragraph. Ask your players what their character's goals are. If the players can't say, then the players need to do more thinking about their characters' personality histories before they enter play. Let your players come up with details about their characters' families and pre campaign activities, even details which can modify the campaign history and incorporate those details in your campaign world. So, this has backgrounds like they care, they they want the piece, the players to write out backgrounds. And you do adjust your campaign around the Well, it background. does
1: say don't give in to unreasonable details, such as my father is an emperor and I'm rich enough to buy everything my companions want. So right, it does provide it, some guardrails there, Jason.
0: But, but it does say <laughs> modify the campaign history and incorporate those details yeah. in the world. So this has character backgrounds in it.
1: Which, yeah, this might be the start of the character whole character background thing.
0: Yeah. So I'll just throw that in as an extra. <laughs>
1: yeah that's that so that's one of my a lot of the old games say like they're very specific like so you read a new game and it'll be like these rules are a guideline feel to adjust them as you want like you know kind of free form these games are were very much like run the game this way
0: well th- this has callers <laughs> in it too
1: yeah and Either we never did that better. yeah we but, never we, we never used the caller well, thing and,
0: and it's in the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Like the first page or page five, but really the first page in the middle of the first page, mapping and calling. It's it's right there. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah that's yeah, that that's stuff that we didn't you really use a okay. lot. So
0: okay. um but so did you cover your database. three
1: your three things that you weren't super excited about?
0: Um tied to the implied setting, extended experience tables for demi-humans and druids.
1: All right, let me get into something I really liked. Um, yeah, definitely. This Let's is something get to the good stuff. I spent hours doing and loved. Now, I will fully admit we ran pretty Monty Hall campaigns. Yeah, uh, nothing I wrong want- with that. At one point, my brother was a a mystic dragon rider and flew around with a dragon lance and a medallion of dragon control and a wand of fireballs and a horn of blasting and a deck of many things. And we were doing, you know, all kinds of crazy things. And I think that was at level four. So, I mean, it was a wild campaign. But I love the treasure section. I loved like the rolling on the random table and then rolling for like. What is the magic item going to be? What are they going to find? Like just all the weird treasure you'd find and then the rings and um, miscellaneous magic items and then building intelligent swords and what special abilities they have. Like what's it good against? Like I absolutely loved doing that and creating these random items and then using the treasure table off of the monsters being like, oh, they have, you know, their whatever their their treasure number is g right and you rolled based on th- what they had and that's what's in their lair right and it was just cool to me as a kid and i'd still have fun doing it now if i was doing it is rolling and getting those cool magic items because i think that's one of the things that that's it's like the, you, you talk about like mud core on your on your show okay. sometimes or like some of the people like uh there's too many magic swords in D, you know like I don't know, man. I loved it. Like that's to me, like getting cool magic items and having a bunch of magic items was was what I really liked about the game. I tried my my always rule of thumb was one magic item per level. That's kind of like what I would try to get the the, the guys to. And I still kind of use that today. Like if you're playing Solar Blaze and Cosmic Spells with me, my idea is like you well, it's probably more because it level a little slower, but it's like you have two cool like Pieces of a quick gear per level that your character is like something that's something that makes your character stand out, right? Because the magic items in this game are what make two fighters different, right? Like, mm-hmm. if my fighter has the horn of blasting, that makes him a little different than, say, the other fighter who's got like a mace of disruption and he just like is salivating whenever he sees undead. So, so I really loved the treasure tables.
0: No, very cool. So, I I, I didn't look at this before, but at what level can characters make scrolls in this game?
1: Um, You know, we didn't have a lot of wizards when we played, and that's because wizards fun? don't really survive. Um,
0: yeah, so outside of homes, the, the home basic set, normally most versions of D&D or TSR era D&D, you ha- Gygaxian D&D, you have to be really high level to make scrolls. Now, in the Holmes version, you can make scrolls at pretty low level, which is good. But most of these games, you have to be really high level. And, and to, I, I agree with you. The magic items are great. Characters should have magic items. It's implied in this world. And the modules expect you to have magic items. So there's nothing wrong with, with giving out the magic items by the treasure tables. 100%, I'm with you on that. My my negative would be not a negative of the treasure tables, but as far as the game, as far I I feel this also follows the, and I'm not somebody's yelling at the their their device right now, but I feel you have to be pretty high level to make scrolls in this, which I think is a problem. I think low level magic users should be able to make scrolls because you need scrolls for your utility spells so they get used nobody's going to memorize utility spells where if you have scrolls you can make put them on scrolls and
1: you also don't know that many spells playing a level one magic user sucks and i and we didn't do the whole henchman thing and i know um and then i don't so like let's say i'm playing a magic user and i have like five Mm -hmm. henchmen i don't feel like i'm playing my character then like i'm playing the henchman then And I'm waiting for my character to level up to where they actually have spells. There was a YouTube video. I can't remember the guy's name. I think he's moderately popular on YouTube with his videos, but he talked about how to kind of spruce up level one magic users. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the ways he did it is like give them scrolls to start the game, right? Like let them be able to have several scrolls so that they they can do things. Otherwise, yeah, if you have one... like, your spell is light, or you have one magic missile to cast, and then after that, you're throwing, your in this game, daggers. You're just right. throwing daggers.
0: So, so in Holmes, you you still had to spend money. It was still like 100 gold piece per leveled spell or whatever. But it took time and like a week and 100 gold pieces to write the scroll. Yeah. But yeah. you could do it, right? Here you have to well, be, I found it. I found the rule. Yeah. You had to be at least ninth level to make anything in this, yeah. in this part of the game that's tough uh, yeah so i so that that would be the negative i would throw out the with this comment, with this point
1: Yep. Yeah. oh that's fair okay all right give me a positive
0: oh we're going back and forth this time we can yeah do okay so positive is going to be the uh, i mentioned the druid i'll mention the mystic the mystic is a, a better monk than the monk I like. I really like the Mystic class in this game. The Mystic can use any weapon, like monks. Like you watch kung fu movies, you know they can pick up anything and use them. And in fact, when you do the weapon mastery, monks are often who your characters can go to to get trained on weapons in in the weapon mastery rules, which is cool. The I, I think the Mystic class is is pretty well. Now I haven't played one, but just reading it. And, and you guys played it so you can comment about this more than I can because you've played this edition much, you know? Yeah. But so the, the mystic so. class to me, I really like it. I, I th- it l- appears to be pretty well balanced, but you have a lot of cool abilities and you don't start off as sucky as the, the monk does in AD where you've got like, you know, 2d4 hit point. Yeah. It's 2d4 hit points. And y- you know, you're, like in this one, you're starting kind of sucky too because you're stuck with AC nine and yeah and stuff. But you 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 increase pretty very fast in this. Yeah, more, your movement. Yeah,
1: the Mystic is a really cool class. It is, it is, it is the coolest class in here. Um, like I said, my brother—that's what class he played. And I mean, at level sixteen as a Mystic, you can move three hundred twenty feet. Like. <laughs> <that's awesome. laughs> you do your naruto run all the way across and you do 3d12 now granted it takes a crazy amount of xp to get up there but the mystic class is very very cool it it, if you're an old school grognard or mudcore type D &D person you'll probably hate it but to me it is a very very cool class um To have in in the game and if it fits your setting it might not fit your setting so you might not want it but um for us we we loved it like there was always there was always a mystic in the group because it's because it was such a cool class
0: yeah i i i mean i like the idea monks in ad and d it's just they're really tough to they're it's tough to get keep them alive because they really (laughs) suck at low levels but the the purpose of the monk in ad and d more the mystic is i think a little more versatile I don't remember. So in AD&D, the, the other thing with the monk, I'll, I'll throw it back to you here in a second. Sorry. Now you're stuck with with Jason with a little bit of liquor in him. But the in, in AD&D, the monk did two things. One, he can kind of substitute for the thief because he has some of the thief abilities like find traps, tech traps. And the other thing monks, especially mid-level and high-level monks, are made for because they do have high movement is to go attack enemy magic users. The monk's job in ADD is to take out enemy spellcasters, like to, you know, zoom around and, and hit the enemy spellcaster. But the mystic in here doesn't feel like that. The mystic in here feels much more of a skirmisher and, 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 and more effective for doing different things. Now, I, I don't remember, do they have the thief stuff in here? Or no. I don't, i, I want to say they no don't. Don't.
1: They, they don't they have so great. their special abilities are awareness heal self speak yeah. with animals resistance oh, yeah. speak with anyone mind block block blank yeah, out
0: they're not they're it, not substitute thieves like they are no
1: no, no they are uh like a unique yeah. fighter is what right. they are
0: yeah I, I like the monk a lot or, i mean the mystic I, I i like the mystic class a lot
1: no i totally agree um they have some weird restrictions they cannot use protective magical devices such as rings and cloaks but that's because their armor class
0: it drops at, one every level it drops one
1: every level so yeah it starts at nine but at level five you're you got an ac5 which mm-hmm. is pretty good and you're not wearing any armor so you don't have any restrictions or weight restrictions they also have um they get multiple attacks um yep they they have Oh, they do have thief abilities. Find traps, remove traps, move sadly, climb walls, night okay, shadows. Do,
0: they do get them. Okay. That's yes. fine, but
1: As, as yeah. a thief at the same level. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty good. I, I, I would so say. So at that point, you
0: take them instead of a thief. I mean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would say that they're kind of OP for the game, but I, as a GM, that doesn't bother me. Where where it might bother people is if is if there's a thief and a fighter in the group, and this mystic is doing. Both things as good as they do them, then, you know, the thief might be like, "What the heck," and the fighter might be like, "What the heck."
0: Well, they, it's they kind of like a bard, but you're not matching the fighter armor class till you get no. It. Now, I think though, in here, unlike AD&D, does your dex bonus add to your, or does it not?
1: Um, I don't think so because if you go to character creation.
0: Yeah, that might, maybe it doesn't. The, well, the Either way, I, I like the Mystic. I, I think it's it's a cool class. And, yeah. So that's cool.
1: I'm looking at Dexterity right now. I don't think...
0: Because in AD&D, they don't get, like... Bonus. It does.
1: Has Dexterity score affects the character's AC. Yeah. So. But, but this is also one of those games where plus three is the max bonus. Right and and you're most likely to have no bonus yeah plus one or two so you're talking like a five or ten percent bonus it's not that great though on ac it's it's a pretty significant attack Mm -hmm. bonus not not a lot okay cool uh no i I like the mystic yeah yep uh geez you already kind of took my other two things we talked about them i love the world Because it was my first world i also really like the weapon mastery stuff so i'm a big fan of combat options Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i think many um so there's some games where like they don't have a lot of rules so it's really up to the game master to to say whether or not this is an acceptable move or not this will work and then applying some sort of probability but the weapon mastery stuff is just really cool because it adds like different effects. It adds armor class. You know, if you're if you're, you know, like, um, like for example, staff. Staff is an underappreciated weapon in the grand scheme of of D and D. Even though if you go watch anyone do like hema stuff, where a person with a staff and yep. another person with a short sword or of long sword is trying to hit them, the staff person is touching them more frequently right maybe the shots aren't as lethal but the 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 reach advantage is huge so you look at a staff right so you have your basic skill does 1d6 and then if you get skilled it's 1d6 plus two and then you get minus one ac and you also get the deflect ability and it goes up from there it's just like the chart is very cool the the way it works
0: um oh definitely it's the other thing i mean you have really cinematic options in here right you have things like despair where Mm -hmm. because you're doing cool flourishes with a weapon you you know you're you're going to scare some opponents away i love that i think that's really um no there's a lot of stuff in it it's that and with a fighting man with fighter it stacks with their stuff so in in rule cyclopedia if the if fighter has a base hit of two they get extra attacks right Mm-hmm. and and so this stacks with that on top of that which is good um yeah it adds the damage
1: bonuses to for um mm-hmm. to, for that increased proficiency um yeah its just it's just something I really like
0: yeah I, I I'm with you I, I don't yeah I you know I don't have any issue with it I like the I I wonder I I don't know I haven't played with all these things so I'd have to see it at the table. I mean, definitely somebody that's a weapon expert, or weapon master, or, or or grandmaster, even obviously is going to be doing all kinds of crazy stuff with their weapons. Like, yeah. But let's let's balance that out. By the time you hit weapons expert, master, and grandmaster, you're going to be in the teens, right? Yeah. In in levels or teens or 20s somewhere. And when you look at the foes you're fighting by that time because there's you know a great monster section in this book and th- it has monsters in here that are super tough like you're talking like you know by the time you get those levels you're fighting things that have negative acs i mean you need these bonuses really to be you know to do something against them so i don't know that it is that i'm without playing i don't know but i kind of think when you fight the tougher foes in this book it's probably not that unbalanced at all.
1: So the only negative there's a couple of negatives with it and this is just something i'll bring up. So some of the weapons don't have any special effects as you as you upgrade them. And for example, um ha- oh, uh the warhammer and mace for example, they mm-hmm. don't get any special effects. Um their damage progression is different. Which is interesting, but they also let you throw them as you get up in level, which is also interesting. But you go when you look at something like a club. The club does lower damage, but it gives you the deflect ability. But the warhammer and mace don't get that deflect ability. But they have a higher damage potential output. Um, you can also throw a club farther for some reason. I don't know. So there's just some like there's some things in there where like, for example, let's say you decide to become a grandmaster in mace, you can throw it and it does um 2d4 plus six damage, which is pretty nice. That's like pretty solid, but and it gives you negative four AC. Um, up I think against three three attackers. I think that's what the second number stands for. How many attackers really you get to apply it to.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. more damage than a club does.
1: Yeah, a club at Grandmaster um only does single handed. 1d4 plus six dual handed 1d6 plus six but it but the club um yeah you get deflect so you get deflect yeah so so yeah so so like mason warhammer are more about the damage while club gives you a special thing so you kind of got to look through it and like decide like hey what you know like what do i want to be able to do
0: right and it and also has i want to be so- a
1: grandmaster in ebola too by the way, I like that. <laughs>
0: Well, so I guess maybe that's a slight negative, too, is there are almost too many options here.
1: Right? You can be a Grandmaster in a net. Um, in, a,
0: in a blackjack, right? A
1: blackjack, yep. could be yeah. knock people out left and right.
0: Yeah, so there, there are almost too many options. But you mentioned throwing it, which I love, because think about it. How many movies, how many sword and sorcery movies does the hero throw their sword and impale one of the bad guys? Oh Yeah, it happens all the time. Right. And this lets you do it. Right. These rules let you do it, which is what I. And how many times do you have that Indiana Jones mo- moment, not the Indiana Jones moment, but the moment where they do the fl- flourish of the sword and, and the minions run away, right?
1: Right. Dude, yeah. This
0: game, these rules let you do that, which I love. I, I wonder, like you say, I mean, it might may, may not be totally balanced, but the, the, it's great that they tried to incorporate it, if nothing else, right?
1: No. And it's a simple chart. And. You know, some people may not like it if they want like a real um like sloggy um grinder experience for their game, then it might not be for you. Um, but if you do want to add that like Conan-esque feeling, that sword and sorcery kind of high adventure, it mm-hmm. it adds some of that like character depth. It it makes the guy who specializes in the mace like he's actually really good with it. It's not just that he bashes things with the mace. It's that when he picks up a mace, he bashes the crap out of things.
0: Right. Which which we see when you think about the Conan movies, right? Whether we're talking about Conan the Destroyer, where we have um, crap. What, what's a basketball player? What's his name?
1: Oh, Will Chamberlain.
0: Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. He's got that cool mace, right? The cool weapon yeah. he's got, right? Or we go back to the original Conan the Barbarian. They got the mall. They had that huge hammer where the where the the one the one guy the I, I think he's a Swedish guy or he might have been a linebacker, but anyway. But you know, he, he basically he knocks the pillar down. He he like hits the pillar and it shakes during the feast or the orgy scene, and he looks at it like, "Oh, did I do that?" You know? Yeah. It, it's great. So yeah. Um, let's see another good. Uh, you
1: didn't mention um, Jason Momoa Conan movie though.
0: Well, that's Was that on person. Well, I, I did mention that during the Conan episode. Didn't you listen to the, the the Christmas episode, Eric? Uh I thought we had to call in our favorite Conan movie yet. That hasn't happened yet, right? Well, no, but it's it comes out before this episode does. Um, oh, so we're in okay. that weird time loop. Um okay, fair yeah, enough. In fact, I need your calls. Send them in. <laughs> I've been re-watching. I, I, I rewatched the Momoa one and well, I, I've already said my piece, but so I'll give you a spoiler because I'm not going in super depth on the show because I don't try to take time away from other callers, but Jason Momoa Conan's not a good Conan movie. I think it's one of the better sword and sorcery movies of the 21st century, though. So so That's- it's kind of a backhanded compliment because like it, when you think about good sword and sorcery movies of the 21st century, like, I have more fingers than I can count good sword and sorcery movies on, but, <laughs> but I think that it's got a lot of weaknesses, but it's still not a bad sword and sorcery movie. It, it's got problems, but he's not one of Jason Momoa is not one of the problems and the breadth of it's not one of the problems. Um, the spring break scene is one of the problems. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember that scene. I don't know when the last time you watched 2011 I, was. I watched
1: it in 2011. That's okay, the so, last
0: time I watched it. So the other, I love Ron Perlman in that movie, right? It, it is his father. But the whole half the first half hour of that movie shouldn't be there. That should be cut away. The movie should start with Conan as an adult, with Jason Momoa. It should just be another Conan tale. That's what it should be. Conan stumbling into a into this plot to re reforge the mask or whatever, and that's what the movie should be. It shouldn't yeah. be him growing up and all that. But when they open that up, they 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 come across slavers, right? And and Conan's like, no man should be in chains, and and so they're rolling rocks down the hill, destroying the food and, and killing slaves and all the stuff. Basically, they're carpet bombing the slave slave train, and then they go down there. They they kill all the slavers, and, and and the slaves are like, we have no food. What are we going to do? And Conan's like, you can come with us. And all the girls, who of course are all bare chested, cheer, yay! And it's like it's you know it's spring break. And then they yeah. all run over and you know grab onto the guys and
1: yeah yeah break. no, it's a little little excessive in your opinion.
0: No, I mean I don't care. I I'm an exploitation guy, but but it's not anyway. Um, anyway, back to the encyclopedia. <laughs> It, like I say, it's one of the better sword and sorcery movies of the 21st century. Uh, I'll leave it there. Um, Fair enough. Now, so, so you've had your good thing. I think we touched on the other things I have. All in one product. I, I You've talked about that already. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that's valid. Especially after looking at it today, it does talk about designing adventures, designing campaigns, designing dungeons, um, dividing treasure. It, it's got a lot of GM advice in here. So I will say... And I can tell you as a
1: 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old, it, it, I was able to use it without much problem.
0: No, very cool. So I'll throw something else out here. And this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but um, I said we were going come back to page 262. So let's turn to page 262. And, and you know where you talked about the game... Does, isn't like a modern game where it says, you know, throw out the rules you don't want? Yeah. Okay. We have a pregame checklist on page 262. Okay. Yeah. It's great. And, and it gives us five questions. And it says, if the answer is no, stop and fix the problem. Number one, do all the players know how to play? If no, then stop and fix the problem. Number two, have you read this book all the way to the end? Are there any rules you're not familiar with? If no, stop and fix the problem. (laughs) Number three, do you and all the players know why the characters are embarking on this new adventure? Are all the characters ready to go and equip for the adventure? That's an important one. Have the players chosen a caller and a mapper? Do they have a piece of graph paper and pencil to map with? If the answer is no, stop and fix the problem. (laughs) I love that, but the the real so that's a joke, but there that th- that's in a box. And throughout this book, we have these boxes that are almost like 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 little tables or captures the rules, like highlights yeah. the rules that you're reading. And, and it is actually pretty well laid out, all all told, right? So i, I I've come through this with a higher expectation with with a higher appreciation than than I started with it, uh, I'll, I'll start.
1: well, it also has three different types of sharks you can pick from in the monster three. section on yeah. page two hundred three. I mean, how many games give you uh, the stats for a bull mako and great white shark for those for those always frequent underwater
0: combats <laughs> you well, run in true. your
1: games?
0: Al- although it is light on dinosaurs.
1: Um. Yep. There's it is light on dinosaurs um
0: we have aquatic land carnivore and lamb herd of herbivore, but they're all kind of grouped together so like one page total of dinosaurs where a D and d has pages of dinosaurs
1: <laughs> you do get six snakes though
0: oh that's true. yeah. so is this yeah. next plus the monster section?
1: uh I, I so I guess we're kind of in like the freestyle section
0: um (laughs) because
1: i had already i'd already covered my my big things you know the monster section the monsters are very simple they have very simple stat blocks they don't have i think that's one of the issues when you like look at 5e and it's one of the reasons why i prefer icrpg over fifth edition is from a cognitive load on the game master side because the 5e monsters are built like a character they have a lot going on It is a lot to manage and remember all of the things that they can do. I personally don't need all, I don't want all that. I want my monsters to be simple. I want them to be, they have hit dice and they do this much damage and they have a couple special abilities. That's, that's all I care about from a monster standpoint, because I want to have them more uh, narratively focused vice, like mechanically focused, um, I player characters love them to have all kinds of bits and bobs and little side mechanics and pieces and parts and things they could do totally fine with that. Um, but it's, it's for me on the game master side. Um, that's that. Uh, The other thing I love about this book is so the interior art, like I just flip to pages and I see things and it's like, I remember looking at those pictures and remember seeing those pictures. And so I just, it's very nostalgic for me to see the interior art on this um some of the art i mean like on page 167 where there's dolphin there's like a random dolphin drawing there i like
0: like, okay does anybody not know what a dolphin looks like do we really yeah
1: yeah yeah so it's just some like random random stuff like that
0: so so i'm gonna freestyle because the art was my wild card too and the art for the most part is really good. One thing I like about the art is it's very, I guess the word today would be inclusive, but the the art, it's not just Western European, right? It and and if you look at older AD&D, like you look through the AD&D monster manual, you have people with Roman armor, you have people with different armor, like all kinds of different ethnicities and stuff. In here, the art is all kinds of different ethnicities. This is very much, you, you know, T or Watsy puts a their disclaimer on this, how, you know, this is a racist book and you're a bad person like it. And, but the thing is, when you look at the art in here, it's not the art in here mixes all these different cultures and has, you know, different things in here. But so that's a plus. I think the negative is, and I, and I'm not going to get over this. The negative is the camo pajamas, the, the real tree pajamas that the elf wears. (laughs) <laughs> when, when you turn to the elf she's wearing real tree pajamas i'm sorry on page 25 th- that's what she's wearing and then she shows up again later later in the book there's a place i think it's where it converts it to second edition where it has two parties face to face that, is, that she's is wearing real tree pajamas in that picture too yeah that is um that's on page um 291 and you can see yeah, her but, in that pit, picture. Oh no, that, she's not in that. That's
1: picture. kind of funny that that's but, that. that I, I you know what? I, I've never noticed that.
0: You, you can't tell me that's not real tree pajamas on page twenty-five. Come on.
1: It looks like she rolled down to Walmart or f- local <laughs> Fleet Farm up that's here and and got some.
0: It <laughs> does it not? <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. I cannot. I, I and she has the whole Native American feather, eagle feather in her hair. So too.
1: there's only two things I can see in this book that would be from a modern sensibility thing where where someone could be like, eh, I don't know about that. And that would be the feather in her hair. And yeah. then the mystic would yeah, be potentially considered eh, like a cultural, like I don't think so. i don't think so okay so i don't think so either so for for this book to have a disclaimer on it that is very shocking to me because when you go through this it's generic fantasy like that's really what it is the
0: same disclaimer watsi put the same disclaimer on every tsr product
1: and it just doesn't have it doesn't have
0: No, I don't. It's it's diverse. You, when you look through here, you have people from every kind of culture you can think of in here, and every kind of ethnicity you can think of. This isn't just white males. No,
1: I was just looking. There's definitely a couple like African American. um, There's some Asian. um, There's some like Egyptian. It's it's a very wide um, variety. Um,
0: Yeah, I like for the most part. I do like the art. I, I I do. I so that's with a caveat i grew up with the box sets the box sets are totally different art right so nostalgia wise i much prefer the box sets because that's what i grew up with and that's what i looked yeah. at for untold hours right as a kid but looking at this as an adult i can't appreciate the art in here and and, and i don't compl- the only complaint i have about the art is the real tree pajamas <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: um, I'm sorry, um, oh yeah
0: I'm she's sorry. back
1: in um it's page 291 but it's not even leaves it's like she's wearing they're like just random shapes
0: yeah i mean come on
1: but it's where the two parties are fighting each other yeah. they're the same They're the, yeah it's kind of funny um the other thing i i we played a ton of with this rule set was we, we did domain rules and they worked really well now when you get to that point of the game it's a different game you're you're now playing you're now playing land management and people and that is where we introduce new characters so like because it didn't make sense for the level nine fighter to go deal with a band of goblins in the hills he would send his squire which might be My buddy's character is now the squire for my brother's character. And then my brother's character is the wizard apprentice for his wizard character. And they would go start a new set of adventures. And then we did mass combat, the mass combat rules worked. Um, I I haven't used them in forever, but they did work at the time. Um, So like there's some other rules in here when people are like mass combat or domain rules, they, they work pretty well. And we, we had quite a bit of fun with the strongholds and domains. Um, we do the domain turns and 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 all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. The so for my wild card since you used art, I'm going to use. It's maybe a little too, bit too prescriptive with some of the things like spells. Like if you look at the wish spell, jumps out at me, right? Where, at the max you can make is is fifty thousand gold pieces with a wish spell
1: yeah it's like somehow it's it's limited
0: right (laughs) it's uh, some of these spell descriptions it's it's very prescriptive right um and and the wish spell jumps out at me is is one of the it's in the cleric section it's um it is uh where is it it's page 40 right
1: yeah uh Um, the wish spell is page 61
0: Oh well, there's two. There's a cleric wish spell too. Oh okay, yeah. Uh, maybe they're different. I don't know. That's interesting. I wonder if the wizards well, the wish. Well, the whole
1: wish spell was basically like a take on the genie thing, and it's and it's kind of like a gotcha type.
0: Oh, they're I different. They I, are different. I don't. Though.
1: I don't like wish spells in general. I don't. I don't like them. They. They. they One, I've never had to deal with them, because no wizard or spellcaster has ever gotten to the point to cast ninth level spells um, that I remember. So it hasn't been a problem.
0: Yeah, but some of these things in here are... No, they are the same write-up, basically. But So, like, to raise ability scores. Witches can also be used to permanently increase ability scores, but the cost is very high. You must cast as many wishes as the number of the ability score desired. And all the wishes must be cast within one, one week period.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's there's. I mean, yeah. There's some just some weird prescriptive things. You, you in can there, make so. any
0: humans humans though.
1: There you go. And um, you can get but, to level thirty six.
0: Yeah, but the elf has to pick between fighter or magic user at that point.
1: Oh.
0: You know, so it's not just the wish spell. I mean, that's an example, a, a good example. But some of these are the way the things in here are are. Very, very prescriptive. (laughs) It's very, which could be good or bad, I guess. And again, you as a DM can always do your, your game as you wish. Um,
1: As you wish. Was that on purpose to play off of the wish spell?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'll take credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, I, I think this is a, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's not, I, I think it's, it's more restrictive than AD&D, and that's that's the problem with it. For me, is I and like the, the more openness of AD&D.
1: Yeah, and I and I I went from Rule Cyclopedia to, to Second Edition, and so when I got the one e book when I when I saw it, I I guess I didn't even know it existed. I didn't like it, and it was just because I had Rule Cyclopedia Two E. It was like, you know, it was to me the writing was more clear, and so that. Is why I was kind of like, why would I, I don't want to go back to this, but you know, my, my neighbor guy tried to explain to me the whole history of things. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say, Jason and my kids bothering me to help them with something. So I should probably go help them with something at some point. So,
0: well, I, th- I want to thank you for coming on here. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. I, 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 like I said, rule Cyclopedia is my first true tabletop game. Um, so So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it and I always love to talk about it.
0: Excellent. Well, everybody check out Eric's show, the Omega three chicken coop. He's kind of rebooted it and he's rolling new episodes out. Maybe not, you know, every week, but, but they are coming. It's like
1: once a month. Yeah. And if anyone has any topic ideas for my show, please let me know. What would you like? I would like to hear me talk about with the people like Jason and Harrigan and, and, and and those type of folks on the show.
0: Yeah, so, and, and I will say this, if you have any questions about this episode, any comments about anything we've said today, call Eric's show. His show will be in the show notes. If you have any comments about this episode, call them into the Omega 3D Chicken Coop and the and this show, will any comments will be continued over on the Omega 3D Chicken Coop. Eric, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful new year and I look forward to, continuing gaming with you into the new year and hopefully many years beyond.
1: Excellent, Jason. Thanks.
0: Okay. And everybody be excellent to each other. by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? In the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I can see him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a in your by the and I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the woods. Don't look, don't look away, don't look away, don't look away, don't look away. Well, the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the red.